This is the Power Power Podcast. My name is Sarah of Underground Crowds. We hit Bible topics, smash book studies, punch out some songs here and there, and light up his word to strengthen our souls. Thanks for listening. This week we're going to do a topic um, about being willingly imprisoned. I think that's what I'm going to name it. Um, and what that means, what, what, how can it possibly bring God glory, uh, which I've, from personal testimony, I've dealt with that question a lot, especially when the, when you feel dumb, um, after a while, staying in the, in a toxic place, um, seems counterintuitive I mean but there are things you have to consider so we're going to read this example on Acts now when we're going through like the Gospels this is an Acts but when you're going through the Gospels we've talked about how context matters we learned a lot through First and Second Timothy about who Paul was writing to, specifics. Um, he wasn't writing to the broader church, so how do we get women shut up in church from that? Um, when clearly he was troubleshooting um, and God gave women mouths. Uh, so doesn't make sense um, to... It's like the example of um, head coverings. Well, head coverings don't mean the same thing that they meant back when Paul wrote that. It was very much a part of the culture. Um, It doesn't have the same significance. Now, if I walked around without, I'm pretty sure if I walked around without a head covering, a literal head covering in that time, it would have been very disrespectful and I would have been seen as rebellious because it was the social norm and even in the states there was a time when women wore hats and women wore gloves even up into the 50s I think Disneyland required it to wear hats and gloves for little girls it was it's a show of respect well we don't have that same stigma right now and the problem is and it always is when you're when you're wanting to start whole movements on one scripture that you can always always let those sirens go off at that point one little passage of scripture and you're off running you're starting a whole movement you're causing divisions, which is what they were doing in um, First and Second Timothy. They're going off the rails. Paul describes it. Anytime it's going to send the mission off of the gospel, it needs to be rethought. Anytime there's a distraction to the truth of the gospel, Christ died and rose again, you need to regroup. If you're wanting to take you have your hot take and your soapbox in hand and 
and run away with a specific passage of scripture that's only said once and start your whole little sect of Christendom. You need to rethink. It's a distraction to Christ crucified. What did Paul say? I preach Christ and him crucified. He's the point. He's the end game. He is who we're going to see on the other side of this. We are not going to see our spouse as our spouse anymore on the other side of this. We are not going to see our specific little sect of church on the other side of this. We're not going to be segregated into little denominations at the end of this. And so when you place Christ as the center and he's given you enough insight in what the kingdom is going to be like and you've set your heart on the kingdom, it's going to place for you the order of significance as far as big deals and little deals as far as priorities are concerned. So let's read before I get too far off on my rabbit trail. We're going to read Acts. Oh, this is what I was going to say. When it comes to the gospel and it comes to interpreting, interpreting the gospel, sometimes you can take it story for story. Um, it is not, it's an account. It's a different kind of book shall we say. Um, Paul wrote a lot of these letters about the church and, and the ordering of the church and how it should look and sticking to the plot people in his letters. Um, but Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they are accounts. They're like a reporter going around writing down what happened. And sometimes you can take that one story out of Matthew or whatever and it'd be just because it's about Jesus because it's about what happened in specific circumstances you're not necessarily I don't know why I feel compelled to say this but you're not taking it out of context per se unless it's something that was a parable and you're clearly teaching it as you know the prodigal son or whatever and you're teaching it like there was this prodigal son um, when Jesus said that this is that the scripture is clear that he was telling a story but the gospels are first-hand accounts of Jesus on this earth and so you take that news story and you interpret it you take that account and you interpret it um, why I say that is because when you move into these letters that Paul is writing, it's really, really dangerous to treat it like a gospel. And just take your little verse out of context and throw it at people. Weaponize the word against people. It's not a good idea to treat it like one of the gospels. There's a whole context to be considered. There's a whole author, authorship to be considered. There's a, the, the person that it's being written to. Gloriously God's word, front to back. Gospel through the rest of it. But 
when we go to interpret scripture, let's not just do it mindlessly. Same, 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 same. Pull my scripture out of nowhere. Shove it down somebody else's throat. Boom, boom, boom. I win. That's not how we go. We're going to create more enemies by being illiterate and ignorant about God's word and trying to, like, magic change people with it. I heard commentary, um, uh, I think it was Instagram or something. And this couple was talking about using scripture as a weapon. We've gotten it in our heads that, that this is somehow magic. And we can pull out a verse and we can shove it down somebody else's throat and it'll change them. No, 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 no. This is not magic. This isn't currency. Like I pay my euro 50 and get my water. I'm going to give you five bucks to shut your mouth and honor God. That's not how this works. That's not how this works. And yet we abuse people with the word of God like that's how it works. And it took me, I mean, all you really have to do is have kids. And, and you find out really quick they don't want the word shoved down their throat. Like in any way. Just had a row today about it. Well, and all we're working on right now is respect for Bible time. That's what we're working with. The hormones are fighting. Just respect Bible time. I cannot make you a believer. Friend, you cannot make somebody a believer. I don't care how many verses you throw at somebody. You cannot, and I think social media has gotten into this frame of mind because it's really easy just to blah, 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 blah. I just put down Matthew blank, 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 blank on them. I did my job. It's really, you know what? It's nothing short of arrogant. You don't care. You just want to walk away and pat your back. But that's not how... Holy Spirit's and like, oh, she called. Oh, she put down a verse. Smack, smack, smack. You really think the Holy Spirit operates that way? That he is at your bidding? So you can throw down a scripture, pay the currency, and slap somebody in the face with the Holy Spirit? You really think that's how that works? No. You're not in charge here. I'm not in charge If somebody comes to the Lord, if somebody has a change of heart, this isn't drive through Starbucks. It is the Holy Spirit's work affecting a change in a dark heart. And so sometimes it's just better be nice. Sometimes it's just better to pray. Sometimes it's like, well... I, I see what you're saying, but when I think about this too, I think about this scripture. You want to exalt God? Humbleness. With humility. That's the only way we can draw in. And that's the only way we can draw anybody else in. It is the humble 
that will see the fruit. It is the humble that will bring in the harvest. It is the humble that can see when is a good time to say something, when is a good time to not say something. And you know what I think, what also what it is, is insecurity. Because we're unsure ourselves. And we feel attacked out there. And it's a war out there. No one's going to tell you otherwise. We, Our culture is messed up. Like on every level. Every level. Like, I, I, Is there a level we can get to that we can all agree on? Because this is ridiculous. I'm trying to find the common ground. Trying to find common ground is like trying to find the ark. Is there any common ground out there? Is there any at all? Our culture is so divided and so at odds. And a lot of it's just insecurity. A lot We've just decided that our, we get up and we've already decided that our enemy somehow wears blue color or wears a red color. And those aren't our enemies. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. They aren't enemies. So if we approach sinfulness and we are right to not want to abide sinfulness, completely right and correct. But if we approach it like we're insecure, it's going to look like slamming somebody with a verse. That's what it's going to look like. I mean, if, if you were to describe insecure and you were to think think for yourself, what would I do if I was an insecure person? I would just slam a verse in front of their face and would run away. Well, that's what social media is. And if you were an arrogant person, sometimes you have to flip the tables. If you were an arrogant person, how would you handle that? the obscene Sinful. If you were an arrogant person, you pretend like you've never done anything wrong. Slam that person with a with with a with a verse, and then condemn them, and write them off. That's that would be an arrogant person. That's what that would look like. But if you were a humble person and you saw obtuse evil, just obtuse. If you were a humble person, how would you approach that? And you know the answer. We know the answer. But we forget that the Lord is on the side of the righteous. The Lord is on the side of the humble. The Lord is more than willing to fight your battles. And be your strength. If only with a contrite heart, you're willing to broach the subject his way. So what would it look like for a humble person to be confronted with gross, gross, you would 
seek the common ground. And if there was no common ground, you've got your humanity. You are a person. They are a person. Bottom line. I know I'm, I remember listening to, um, oh man, how do I forget? Joyce Meyer. <gasps> Anyone that knows her background, um, she was basically raped by her dad, like all growing up. And she tells a story about how when she got, her parents got older, like geriatric age, like, like, like older, older, that the Lord impressed upon her that, that she should do something about it. I don't know if it was, um, move them closer or she's supposed to go over there. Or I don't know. I don't know those details, but I do remember her saying this, like, Lord, what, what, what? Like this was gross upbringing. Gross abuse. Gross. Obtuse evil. Obtuse. Ain't no way I have anything in common with this. So we think. And so Joyce is like, um, what have they done for me? Where, where's the common ground here? What, what do I owe them exactly? What? What? what she said she, she said the Lord said to her spirit you're breathing you're breathing that person is breathing you are both human now story goes on and her dad ends up getting saved so what it would look like for a humble person to address absolute evil is find the common ground, even if the only common ground is you're both breathing. I mean, point toward Jesus, point toward justice, point. Toward reconciliation, point. Toward a way they probably, you know, bottom line is as I think of it, and I, there's so many things I regret writing for sure. I mean, half the time I think I'm writing to trolls. But as I think of it, one of the things that I remember clearly uh, as I worked at camp was the head counselor, she's programs director. She said, everything, I don't care what they look like when they show up, speaking of the teenagers that came, I don't care what they look like. Every single one of them wants to be loved. Fundamentally wants to be loved. And so the best, the even, and as we get to this, this is, this is the ultimate. This is the ultimate. This is what Jesus did for you. This is the ultimate thing that a humble person would do. When they see that person harangued, harassed, brought low. Now, you're not going to be ready for this because I'm not ready for this. 
is you take up their side. Now, did I say agree with them? No. Did I say condone their actions? No. Did I say minimize the sin? No. But this is what Jesus did for you. He took up your side. Now, that leads us into, I just, this might be a long one. So I'm going to read here. I got to get the macaroni and cheese in the oven. Then the multitude rose up together against them. And the magistrates tore off their clothes. This is Acts 16, 22 through 40. Um, I'll read it. Okay. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the, in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prison prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Catch this. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, and you and your household. Then they spoke... Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all the family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them. And he rejoiced having believed in God with all of his household. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the officers saying, let those men go. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent, sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison. Catch this also, because this is a... And now do they put us out secretly? No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. And the officers told these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. Then they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. So they went out of prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when she had seen the brethren, they, and when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. We have two examples here in this passage, and we'll pay, probably take a couple of days because that was a long introduction. But you, I, I just want to draw your attention here to um, that that little part before I close out, where Paul 
an earthquake happens. Paul and Silas, okay, they're in the deepest part. They've been beaten, okay? Not just put in jail, beaten. Put in jail, not in just like, you know, the side room, the deepest part of jail in stocks. Uh, just recently, the boys and I were in the Rhine Valley and we saw what stocks looked like. My, my sons were officially creeped out by that room. Um, my, my littlest kept repeating, Mom, do you know what they did to liars? Um, it was off the rails. I mean, there was like, you know, this tongue thing and they had to wear this helmet. Um, it was really, their eyes were like saucers as they walked out. But these stocks, yo, they were not comfy. This was not curled up, grab a popcorn, watch a movie. Stocks, that's where they were. And they started singing. And it's so dark in there um, that... Uh, and I'm not sure how they saw that the keeper was about to kill himself. Um, but but this after Paul told him that, hey, we're not going to kill it. But he had to like ask for a light. So obviously they're like darkity dark place in stocks just Freshly, I, I don't know. I don't want to sit in stocks when I've just been beaten. Beaten, put in stocks. There's an earthquake. Like the prisoners are listening to Paul and Silas sing their hearts out. When they could have been complaining and throwing down verses. I mean, this would be prime time, right? Prime time to throw down some verses. Slap that soldier Slap those prisoners with a few verses, these heathens. What are they doing? They're singing. They're singing. They're praising God. An earthquake. So the the head, this guy, the, the guy who's watching all of them, somehow falls asleep. I guess he's tired. Falls asleep. Earthquake. And all of the chains and, and apparently the stocks just came off. All of it comes off and they're able to go doors open they're they're able to to leave and so this guy i mean he's doing his job he's probably been taking part in beating them um not a friend definitely on the other side of this whole uh, hot topic definitely not on on Paul, I mean, he fell asleep while they were singing. Like, he's not a friend. Not a friend. I mean, on, on surface level. Not with them at all. He sees that all the doors are open, all the clasps are off, and he falls on his sword. Because back then, you're going to die. You let prisoners escape. You're going to die. So I might as well do it. So he's about ready to fall on the sword. And Paul takes up his cause. I mean, right? Did Jesus not sit in prison for you? Did Jesus not, when he had the opportunity to check out, remember what he said, I could call legions of angels and I'd be out of here. I would be so out of here. I can call them any time I want to. There would be no stopping my escape. The bars were open. The chains were off. And Paul 
takes the side of one lone soldier, jailkeeper, guy, insignificant online. On the other side of whatever this issue, hot topic issue. Right, I'm, I'm paint, painting this. Paul takes up his side. It's exactly what he did. We haven't gone anywhere. Don't kill yourself. Again, thanks for listening. Catch the next part of this series, usually Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. You can also find Underground Crowds on Twitter, Patreon, Bandcamp, or undergroundcrowds.com.